Welcome to the Mother Nurture Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrea Rosario, functional neurologist and doctor of chiropractic, specializing in functional medicine, caring for individuals and families with chronic conditions for over 15 years. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep your arms and legs inside the ride. It's time for another edition of the Mother Nurture Podcast, where humor and health rule and mom's needs come first so the whole team wins. I'm your host, Dr. Andrea Rosario, and well, you know who you are. Hi there, Andrea Rosario here, and I am so happy that you found me. I'm honored that you're joining me on my very first episode that I'm recording. It is going to be on a topic that's really near and dear to my heart, both personally and professionally. So I hope you find it really useful. I'm going to ask for your grace up front because I am a rookie at this and I have no idea what I'm doing. So um, if I say um a lot or if, I don't know, technology doesn't work as well as it should or something, um, have mercy on a girl because I am not sure what I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway. So going boldly. (laughs) Anyway, so the topic today is on the fight or flight loop and how you can get stuck in it, the mayhem it can create in your life um, and in your health, as well as not today necessarily on this episode, because I'm now making this a series. I just decided that on the fly because that's what I'm doing. Um, I have too much to cover in one sitting. So I will be talking to you about how to get yourself out of the fight or flight loop on um, future episodes that will be upcoming here soon. So first, I want to talk to you about kind of the basics of the symptoms and signs that you're in the fight or flight loop and how you get into it and how it can be impactful for you, you personally, professionally, health wise, all these, all these really important aspects of our life. So let's dig in. Um, I wanted to share with you guys a little story on how this fight or flight situation has unfolded in my life. And it started a really, really long time ago. So when I was a little kid, I used to have with my mom, I call it my car. It clearly wasn't because I was like four, but we had this little red convertible Jensen Healy and we would drive around in red tank tops and red sunglasses and kind of live it up. My mom was really fun and free and healthy, relatively healthy, at least. I mean, for a 20 ish, you know, 25 ish year old woman. And so we just had a really lively living situation and ideal, ideal childhood up to a certain point. And unfortunately, my mom and dad's marriage was pretty toxic and stressful and not healthy. And they ended up separating. My mom was became a single mom to me and my little brother, Chris, and things were going pretty well, pretty decently. And she was working for the state of California. And she ended up in this department that was really stressful and there was a lot of weird dynamics in it. And something in my mom just broke. Like she, I'm not talking a mental breakdown, but like her body broke and she never really came back to the former mom that I knew where she was, you know, sassy and sweet and her little convertible and we were out living it up on the town. Right. And so what ended up happening was that she ended up not being able to work anymore. She actually had to get off on a 
disability, um, a medical disability. And so then we went from, yeah, lower middle class, I would say to like really, really poor. Like she raised my brother and I on like $24,000 a year and she didn't get out of bed most days. I mean, she was literally wiped out. Like I said, when I say it broke her, it, it broke her. And, um, it was really traumatic as a little kid because we, we didn't have really a parent around very much in the summers. We'd go to my grandparents and give her a break and things like that. But, um, for the most part, we were sort of just, we were kind of wild children. We just fed ourselves out of like directly out of like big, huge Costco sized tubs of ice cream. And I don't know, a dozen sodas a day. And we won't get started on how all the nutrition <laughs> has unfolded for me in my you know adult life. Um, but basically we really didn't, have our mom as she used to be. And my poor mom, I remember one time she was on like 40 pills a day, pills to go to sleep, pills to wake up, pills for depression, pills for anxiety, pills for pain. I mean, just there were, they were just throwing a bunch of medications at her. And it was in the eighties when they didn't actually know what fibromyalgia was. It was sort of like considered like a mental disorder. Like it's all in your head type of a thing. There was no actual diagnosis for it, fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, which are both um, diagnoses that she got later on in life. But at that point in time, all they did was just throw medicine at you and be like, sorry, don't know what to tell you basically. And so um, there was just this huge loss, I guess, of the childhood that was destined to be. And I'm sure my mom felt a bunch of loss about the mom she thought she was going to be. And um it led me to, by the time I was in like fifth, fourth, fifth grade, I already knew I wanted to be a natural health doctor. And I, at that time you could, the natural health choices were chiropractor and naturopath. And in California where I grew up and am right now, um, you really can't be a, at that point in time, you couldn't be a naturopathic doctor. So your only natural health option was to be a chiropractor, which was fine, you know, and I really wanted the natural education and not have the pharmaceutical spin on everything. And so that's what I decided to be by the time I was about, you know, I don't know, what would that make you like 10 or 11 or something like that. And that is what I decided to do. And I became that actually. So um, the reason behind that was really just because I saw how much my mom suffered and how all of her symptoms seemed like a big old mystery and everyone was not being helpful and how our childhood really suffered and our security and all that kind of stuff suffered. And that, that type of thing, you know, follows you. So I really just wanted to be someone's answer. Someone's, um, not that I can be the end all be all cause I am not God, you know, but somebody's help up where nobody's listening to them. And I know that it's like, why well, are you going to get into the story now about like fight or flight? Yes, I actually am. But that is how I, I sort of found my way into the fight or flight world because late later when she got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I started doing mad amounts of research. Like, okay, here's this mystery diagnosis that still also seems kind of like a lazy diagnosis. Why is this happening? There should be an answer to that. But, um, I started doing a bunch of research into like commonalities between fibromyalgia patients and like, let's see if we can figure out the biochemistry and the mechanism underneath this. And by golly, 
getting stuck in sympathetic dominance or fight or flight dominance is present in all fibromyalgia patients, um, said the studies that I came across. And so when I went to go get my bachelor's degree in human biology, I had to do a thesis and I did my thesis on sympathetic dominance in fibromyalgia patients. So you can see you guys, this topic runs kind of deep for me. Um, it is, something that has come about time after time for me in my own personal life, you know, having been stuck in that fight or flight loop and um, situation myself with my mother and, um, and then also with all of my patients. I mean, I would say a good at least 90% of my patients that come to me with chronic complicated cases or a bunch of symptoms that don't seem to add up it almost always leads back to this. So that is why I chose to make this my first topic to tackle with you guys, because I feel like it's just not talked about enough. And I hope if I could just bring some awareness that maybe you can find some answers to like why you have these random symptoms that just seem unrelated or why you're like exercise or stress intolerant or why your digestion's not working or why you can't like sleep like a normal person as far as like get restful sleep, wake up and feel energized. You know, these are all really common symptoms of getting stuck in this loop. And so I just want to kind of dive in and, and hope that you get something out of it. So again, welcome. And let's see, where do I want to start here? I think I should start with kind of the basics. So part of your nervous system is your autonomic nervous system. And it has two legs to it. It's got your sympathetic and it's got your parasympathetic. So they have their own nicknames. The sympathetic's nickname is fight or flight. Sometimes it's referred to as fight or flight or freeze. And then you have your parasympathetic, which has two nicknames that I've heard, which is rest and digest or wine and dine. And so they actually act a little bit like a teeter-totter. If you're in sympathetic dominance or fight or flight dominance, then you don't necessarily activate your parasympathetic as well. And so that kind of stays low tone. And that is a very big oversimplification because it's more, it's more complicated than that. But just for the purpose of where we're going with this, I think that's a kind of a good seesaw analogy that you can think of. Um, when I say it's called fight or flight or freeze, if you think about your nervous system is basically trying to protect you when you're in that sympathetic or fight or flight dominance, okay? It's almost like a stress state or a um, survival state, right? And when, the, when, we're, when we got wired the way we were wired, we would think about like, being chased by a saber-toothed tiger or something like that, right? Then you want your body's resources to get taken away. Like you don't need to be digesting that piece of steak from earlier. You need to be running. You need your blood to shunt out to your muscles. You need your eyes to be able to see really good in the dark. You need to have extreme amounts of, um, I would call it like, like pain sensitivity so that, you know, if you're getting bitten, you want to be able to feel that so that, you know, you're in danger or you're getting burned. You want to feel that. Right. So you have increased pain awareness, hence the whole fibromyalgia connection, FYI. So 
All of those things are designed to protect you. But the problem is, is that we can get stuck in that loop. And I'll talk to you more about the loop when I, you know, keep referring to it, but we can get stuck in that loop and stuck in that neurological trail in our brain's wiring very easily. And so you might actually like go through like a really stressful time and kind of get into that loop. And then the stress goes away, but you're still stuck in the loop. And so that's kind of one of the ways that people can get worn down and sick and have all these weird symptoms is they got stuck in that loop, either with like traumatic childhood, really bad marriage, going through your twenties, burning the candle at both ends where you're going out partying at night and then you're studying all night. You're not sleeping. You're not eating well because you're in the dorms and you're partying and having fun and you're trying to make your way in the world in your, in your twenties, you know, the twenties are awful decade for getting stuck in the fight or flight loop. So, or death of a loved one. And maybe you're the trustee and you got to clean out their house or who knows, you know, there's lots of different jobs, lots of different things that could cause you to get stuck in that loop, but there are ways out of it. And so, um, that is the fight or flight and fight or flight or freeze is kind of like in nature. If you notice like deers, when they get scared, they like, they just panic and they, they freeze basically. Well, some people, some humans do that too. I've, I've had, um, patients that basically have almost like panic attacks where they just literally almost freeze. Like it's like a still seizure. Like they're like lights are on and no one's home. And so they kind of went into the freeze aspect, right? So another aspect of the sympathetic and fight or flight side is something that women tend to do that is less talked about. Um, a patient actually brought this up to me and it was like the most brilliant thing. And it sent me down this amazing loop of like research, but anyway, um, one way that women tend to express fight or flight is called tend and befriend. And so um, basically they tend to be like the peacekeepers or like, I don't want to rock the boat. And it's kind of a safety feature that as women will more lend towards and especially women who have been stuck in that fight or flight loop or grew up in an insecure kind of fight or flight situation. Um, we, we tend to be like people pleasing and trying to like not step on toes. We kind of walk on eggshells. That's the tendon befriend thing that women will often do when they're in fight or flight. And it's just not very commonly recognized that we, that we do that. And that is literally a trait of survival that we have adopted. And, you know, I'll never forget actually, when I was in a neurology class one time, the practitioner that was presenting was a male. And he said, you know, you want to treat every single woman that is in your practice as if she has PTSD because she does. And it was a really jarring statement. And I kind of thought at the very beginning, I almost sort of like reflexed back, like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a bold statement there, buddy. But he went on to um, acknowledge that we have little tiny micro traumas as women, where we walk across the street to avoid, you know, a, a group of men sometimes, or we walk with our keys between our fingers when we're walking to our car, or we keep our earbud 
out of our ears so that we could hear what's going on around us when we're walking. And these are not big T traumas, they're little T traumas, but they all, they all have weight on us, right? And so maybe that is the reason why in my functional medicine practice, probably 95% plus of my patients are women. And 95% plus, I would say, are in the fight or flight loop. And I, we're, we're basically actively trying to help them rewire their brain and kind of reset their, their body for calm. It is a commonality that you would not even believe. It's amazing. So um, anyhow, on that whole fight or flight aspect, there's the tend and befriend thing. And there is a very common theme amongst women that we sort of tend to be in this fight or flight mode just by the nature of what our experiences are day to day. And um, anyhow, that's a Debbie Downer topic, isn't it? But it is true. So I want to talk to you now about um, the rest and digest the parasympathetic system and what it does. So you can kind of tell by like rest and digest what it does. At night, when you go to sleep, you want to be in a more parasympathetic state because you want to get that deep detoxing, rejuvenating sleep so that when you wake up in the morning, you can actually like function and be with it. Right. And, um, also, you want your parasympathetic state to be active when you're going to need to digest things so that your, your brain signals to your body to shunt its energy, its, its fuel, its blood to your gut to properly digest and absorb your nutrients, okay? So what I have seen is that in our culture, I mean, I'm in California, United States. I think it's pretty common here. I don't know about other countries so much. I'm sure some of them are better than us in other ways, in some ways. But basically, we're in like a perpetual summer. We like live in a go, 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 like no vacations, paid vacations. That's that's silly. Like I'll save my vacations up someday. I'll take them or, you know, mental health days. Like just don't feel like going in today. I need to relax. That's unheard of. We don't do that. We work ourselves to the bone. We overschedule ourselves. We overschedule our kids. We don't say no. We have no village. Like, especially us moms, us women, that is something that we are seriously robbed of, but we don't have a village like there used to be where, you know, you got to go do this. Okay. I'll take care of your kids. I'll cook your meals. This person's in charge for cooking. This person's really good at this. We're like juggling all of it. We're working, we're juggling family, we're juggling and household duties as if we are in the fifties and we don't actually work outside the house some too. And I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And so all of those things just throw you into this fight or flight response and they, they take their toll. And so basically I want to talk to you about how that everyday stress, um, from the things I just talked to you about, but also like when your body's not working properly, like you have an infection or you've been exposed to mold or you're not digesting properly. So you're not absorbing your nutrients. Those are all stressors that add into this loop that I'm going to talk to you about. Okay. So the fight or flight loop. All right. When your body is feeling stress, your adrenals kick out certain chemicals, right? They kick out adrenaline, which is another way of saying um, epinephrine and noradrenaline and norepinephrine. 
Okay, so they kick those out, but they also kick out cortisol. So cortisol is nicknamed your stress hormone, but it's also your wake hormone. So it's ant antithesis is melatonin. They kind of, they work opposite of each other. Cortisol wakes you up, melatonin puts you to sleep. Okay, so when you kick out all of the adrenal chemicals, including cortisol, the cortisol starts to mess up your circadian rhythm. So people think of a circadian rhythm just as wake and sleep, but it's also, it also has to do with meal times. Um, you've got a circadian, uh, I'm sorry, a circadian rhythm that your body works in. And then your whole microbiome, the bacteria that inhabit your whole body, they have their own circadian rhythm too, which is another topic, another fun topic for another day. But Regardless, when your circadian rhythm gets messed up because your cortisol is getting kicked out from the stress, it affects your sleep and wake cycle. So then, of course, there's sleep disturbances, but it also affects your leptin and ghrelin, which help with hunger signaling. So not only do you have sleep issues, but you have hunger signaling issues. So either you're like never hungry or you're ravished and you can never get satiated. Um, and, and sometimes that all leads into like weight problems that one way or another, whether you're not eating enough or you're eating too much that are, you know, tied in with being stuck in the fight or flight loop. So when your circadian rhythm is off, you get inflamed and inflammation is bad for you in many, many different ways. But one of the ways in which it's bad is when you have inflammation throughout your body, it breaks your blood brain barrier and then you get inflammation in your brain. And so when you get inflammation in your brain, things basically that should not be going into your brain cross the blood brain barrier, like heavy metals and toxins and even white blood cells, because white blood cells belong in your body, not in your brain. They have their own white blood cells called microglia, but white blood cells that circulate in your body should not be entering your brain, but they do when you have a broken blood brain barrier because of inflammation. And so what happens then is they munch on healthy brain tissue and start destroying it because it's not supposed to see it. So it looks like an invader to your white blood cells and not to mention like toxins and heavy metals and stuff, the effect that that getting into your brain has. Oftentimes these end up with like memory issues and brain fog and various different neurological dysfunctions um, that, that can occur. So that's fantastic. No, it's not fantastic. So on top of the inflammation and its effect on breaking your blood brain barrier, um, inflammatory markers called IL-6, interleukin-6, they really congregate in your midbrain. And that, it, that area is a spot where it calms your fight or flight system. So if interleukin-6, this inflammatory cell, base inflammatory cell comes and sticks inside your midbrain, where the job of that midbrain is to calm your fight or flight response, then what happens? You're not calming your fight or flight response effectively, right? So that inflammation promotes more fight or flight activity. So when you get that fight or flight response, you can have like poor digestion because it takes over that parasympathetic balance situation. Um, you end up like you can't handle exercise or stressors as much as you think that you should because you're like a stretched out rubber band and you just don't have that much more give before you snap, right? 
That's what happened to my mother. Stretched out rubber band, she snapped. And um, you basically don't get restful sleep. Your heart rate can vary quite a bit, run on the high side, but like, why in the heck is my heart rate acting like this right now? I'm not running a mile. This is ridiculous. It's going all over the place. Same with blood pressure. You can have blood pressure dysfunction where your blood pressure goes too high or goes too low. Um, you can get dry mouth, dry eyes. Those are all signs that your sympathetic nervous system is kind of going berserko. And you can get sexual dysfunction as well, because when we're running from a saber tooth tiger, we're not trying to procreate, are we? I don't think so. So um, anyway, you get in that fight or flight response because that midbrain is not calming it down. And um, that's because of the inflammation because your circadian rhythm is off because your adrenals were kicking out cortisol. Are you kind of following me here? Okay, so what happens when you have this fight or flight increased response is it asks more for epinephrine and norepinephrine, the adrenaline, right? And it asks for more of those chemicals because all of the like neuron synapses need those chemicals in fight or flight mode. So then your adrenals kick out more of those and they simultaneously kick out more cortisol. And now you just close the loop. Stress, more cortisol cortisol, circadian rhythm problems, circadian rhythm problems, inflammation, inflammation, brain problems, yes, including the inflammatory markers going on your midbrain, which won't stop the fight or flight response any longer. And then it asks for the adrenaline from your adrenals, which closes the loop. And now your adrenals are kicking out, sure, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and more cortisol. So you're just in this loop, 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 loop. And it basically will continue that way until you find your way out of it. And the longer that you stay locked in that loop, the harder it is to find your way out because it's like a really well-traveled trail in your neurologic wiring. And if you're thinking about like you're going through a forest and you're on this trail, you're on this trail, it's hard to go off it's hard to go off trail because now you're walking through poison oak and you're kind of stepping through all the bushes and things like that. Right. And your body is sort of that way. It, like it's difficult to walk off that trail once you've been there for a long time. So it's going to want to slide back on the trail. And so if you have been in fight or flight dominance, sympathetic dominance for like 10 years, that is a darn well-traveled trail in your neurology. And there are ways to get out of it, but it, it takes intention. And um, I hope to share with you more ways that you can get out of it um, over the next several episodes. Um, I feel like because I've been in that loop several times in my life and done things that helped me get out and done things that set me right back in and took care of myself exquisitely sometimes and really enjoyed being out of that loop and then sort of started to kind of dink around a little on my decisions and got myself back in and then suffered the consequences. I feel like I'm kind of an expert on this and I'm happy to guide you guys through trying to create a better tomorrow where you're not wired this way because it stinks. I mean, it really, really, really stinks. Um, so I just want to point you to my fight or flight quiz. You can see it on my podcast page that I'll host this episode. Um, or if I've posted this anywhere on social media or on YouTube or whatever, I will, um, include a link to the fight or flight quiz. And it's just a simple 
quiz that you two can take with the most common symptoms that you will have um, if you are stuck in fight or flight. And then I will email you out some good information on how to get yourself out and the different ways that it affects you in positive and negative ways and how you can really work to find your way out of the wiring that you have established in your brain and in your body. So um, I hope you take that quiz and find the information I send you about it um, useful. I'm not a spammy person, so I will definitely only send you the things that I think will really help you. So take a look at that and I will be back with my next episode um, trying to help you see different ways that you can get stuck in there genetically or um, with certain nutrient deficiencies and things like that. And we're just going to kind of keep teasing this out. How many episodes in the series? I have no idea. But um, anyway, I will keep talking to you about it until I figure out that we've kind of got that box checked and we can move on to the next topic. So um, I hope this was helpful. And thanks again for joining me on my first episode. It was fun feel like I need a glass of water. That's a lot of talking. Anyway. All right. Take good care and I'll see you next time. Bye.